Hello and welcome to the Autism and Employment podcast series. Our names are Martin and Alex. In this episode, I'm going to be looking at routine, support during work placements, and the support offered and impact that losing a job may have on an individual with autism, Asperger's, and learning difficulties. According to an article on uhhospitals.org, the top five most stressful life events include death of a loved one, divorce, moving, major illness or injury, and job loss. No matter what article you look up on the subject, it's guaranteed these five will be on the list somewhere, a bit in different word forming. Another website, thriveglobal.com, for instance, adds marriage, starting a new job, transition to adulthood, retirement, and financial and workplace problems to their list. As we say, losing a job is one of the biggest stressful experiences, regardless of how it's done. Sadly, a job does not last forever. It is therefore, according to experts, vital that the support is put in place to help the individual go through the transition. People have been known to describe losing a job as a grieving process. And although we should point out that while there are those who do not necessarily feel the same way, we should respect individuals who do compare it to grief. Even the experts believe the feelings of grief after a job loss are completely valid. Richard H. Price, a professor of psychology at the University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research, said in a 1998 study, some people have jobs, some people have careers, and some people have callings. When they lose that, they lose a lot. And my thanks to headspace.com for the quote. For people with autism, Asperger's and learning difficulties, however, there's an even bigger mountain to climb. In an article about routine on autism.wikia.org, the National Autistic Society is quoted as saying, reality to an autistic person is a confusing, interacting mass of events, people, places, sounds, and sights. Set routines, times, particular routes, and rituals all help to get order into an unbearably chaotic life. Trying to keep everything the same reduces some of the terrible fear. Beck Oakley at Snagglebox adds, kids who cling to routines are looking for signposts amidst the chaos. Removing those signposts won't help them to become more flexible. They need stress and anxiety levels to be low before they can cope with change and unpredictability. And it's only then that you can start to work on developing flexibility. When an individual with autism, Asperger's learning difficulties loses a job, it's not the fact that they've lost the job. They've also lost the routine and friends and friendly faces. They are effectively back at the bottom and must navigate their way back to the top. Some people may need more help than others while some just need a nudge in the right direction. Then they must find a new routine, find a new job, and then they must build the entire thing up again from scratch, working out the route, working out the address, who do they report to, and so on it goes. Psychotherapist Tina B. Tessina, PhD, says, most people don't realize how important routine can be in our lives. The enormity of this loss can be a total surprise and therefore even more upsetting. Another subject I would like to talk about before I interview my first guest is about support that an individual with autism Asperger's learning difficulties receives while they are in a job or work placement. Support for an individual with autism Asperger's learning difficulties can vary depending on the individual, the job role and the circumstances. Personally speaking, it tended to vary depending on the job I was in. In my first job, I can remember my job coach from the National Autistic Society coming in on a monthly or two monthly basis over a two and a half year span. If I needed any further assistance, I would give them a call. Since 2011, upon leaving that role, all the jobs I've been in since, the support has not been as frequent, whether it was the National Autistic Society or Bromley Mencap, who have had a hand in my last four jobs. And that's mainly down to me thinking 
that I didn't really need the support unless I felt I really needed it, which again wasn't very often. If anything about my role changed, for instance, the support would be informed and would assist with the changes. This happened three times across three different jobs. And apart from the last time, which the support was never informed about, but we learned from the experience, all was successful. However, I understand and recognize that others may need a little more support than this during a transition period or a change in job role or a job placement in general. And that is something that I'm hoping to cover with my guests today, amongst other things. On which note, I would like to welcome my first guest, Hazel, who is a parent of a young adult with autism. So good afternoon, Hazel. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Martin. How are you? Yeah, it's not too bad, not too bad. How are you finding working from home? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. There are pluses and minuses. Yes, indeed. As we are talking about job loss, without going into a huge amount of detail, would you be able to divulge into your own experience of job loss and how you came out the other side, as it were? Yeah, but I've been thinking about this and um, I was thinking whenever you leave a job, whether it's of your own choice or, or whether you lose it for some reason, there's always things that you feel are, are a loss. Um, obviously, if you haven't had a choice in the matter, there's, there's even more to, to think about. And I think it can make you question your identity and um, your, or even your, your validity in the world. Um, because it's it is a loss, um, and and there's an element of that kind of grieving process, I suppose. Um, and it's it's hard to to shift your vision of where you are in in your world and how it might be different in the future. Yes, I, I have certainly felt like that at times. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in my experience, that, that has happened, yes, yes. You, you have to kind of rethink your, your place, your, your ideas, and, and your future may well not be what you were expecting it to be, that, that whole kind of rethinking. Um, do you think it's fair to say that somebody with autism, Asperger's, or learning disabilities or difficulties in general find losing a job much harder than somebody who doesn't have autism, Asperger's or learning difficulties? Yeah, I think in many ways it's going to be harder for a number of reasons, really. Um, in my experience as a parent, I know that my son feels things very keenly. So he may well take those um those kind of feelings of rejection very personally rather than be able to um, think of it of well the job came to an end or um, you know something went wrong for some other reason that it's not necessarily that person's fault that that this has happened you know it may be redundancy or it may be just the end of a contract but it can it can I know that he can feel things much more keenly than, than I might feel it um, and, and feel it's more of a personal attack. So I think that aspect could, could be difficult for, for people with autism and learning difficulties. And I also think it's harder for them that the whole thing that we were talking about, about questioning yourself, your identity, your future, it's gonna be, could well be, a lot more difficult for somebody with autism because it's it requires a lot of flexibility of thinking and those problems with social imagination of imagining a different future to how you thought it was going to be is going to be harder for somebody with those sorts of difficulties i think um obviously i can't speak for everyone but from my thoughts and understanding and my experience as a parent would be that it's it's more difficult and there's of course there's also the element of you know knowing the statistics of how many adults with an, an autism spectrum disorder are actually in paid employment they're, they're very low you know varies between 
16, 30%. So if you then add that into the mix, it's going to make you a lot more anxious about getting another job because you know it's going to be harder if you've got autism to get another job than it might be for another person on the street. Yes, indeed. But we may have talked about this a bit already, but how important is it to establish a routine with or without a job? I think routine is is more important in everybody's life than they realise. Um, you know, the kind of received wisdom is that people with autism do better with routine. And I'm, you know, I think that's probably true. But I think most people like routine. Um, it saves you having to think all the time. You know, you have to get up a certain time. You have to be on the train at a certain time. You don't have to think about it. It's just what you do all the time. So routine makes life easier for everybody. Um, and I think if you haven't got a job, I think establishing some sort of routine is probably even more important because otherwise time can drag. You know, it's easy to put things off. I don't have to do it today. I can do it tomorrow or the next day or the next day because I haven't got anything pressing I have to do. So I think it's even more important to have a routine if you're not in work than when you're out of work. And if you are a person with autism that, that thrives on that routine, then, yeah, really important to be able to establish it. But of course, hard, hard to establish it when you haven't got a job because you haven't got a framework to work around. It requires a lot of self-discipline or a lot of support. Yes, indeed. Yes, number of times I've, again, I've, I've been there once or twice and it has been a bit of an uphill struggle. How much support should an individual with autism, Asperger's, learning difficulties receive during a work placement? Should it be a regular once a month arrangement or is it really down to the individual how much support he or she receives? Obviously, you know, there is an individual element to it, but I also think that it's quite important to have a regular check in because sometimes we all we all have problems. But if you know you've got a regular time when you can ask somebody about them, it can take away some of the stress of worrying about should I contact somebody? Shouldn't I contact somebody? Is this a problem? That, that can sometimes be a problem for people with, with autism. Um, you know, that, that they're not actually sure if this is a massive problem or not, or whether they do need to speak to somebody or whether actually they should just let it go. It's part of the workplace or whether it's something that needs addressing. So that regular check-in would allow that opportunity to, to have that relationship with that supporter and say, this is happening. Is it a problem? Should I think of it as a problem or do I need to change how I think about it? And, and somebody in that support role is going to have that kind of nice relationship, hopefully, with, with the person in the job, that, um, that they'd feel that they could share that without feeling silly or not knowing if it's a problem or not. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, you, so you, you mentioned about a regular uh, check-in. Um, one of my first jobs, uh, I had a support worker from uh, the National Autistic Society come in. I think it was every month. It was either every month or every two months. And it, that was a, a regular thing. And you know, like you were saying, it's just having that regular thing, not having to worry about it. You know, you can bring these issues up when they come in. But as, as you say, it, it does depend on, on the individual. But that, that sounds like a really nice model. Yes. At my, in, in my last job, I only had support come in if I felt that I needed it. But now thinking about it, it wouldn't have hurt to have a regular thing. Finally, about support. While places like the National Autistic Society or MENCAP or uh, Ambitious About Autism offer support when a job loss is about to occur, do you think that that same support is in the workplace? You mean, do I think that I mean, employers are in the position to be able to help the person who's losing their job as well? Yeah. So do, does, yeah. does the employer offer that support that the National Autistic Society and MENCAP 
does to somebody who's about to lose their job? Do you think that's there as well? Um, I think that very much would depend on the employer and their understanding, both of the person, and you know, because we're talking in general terms about people with autism, but everybody with autism is different. But it, so they're that person's individual personality and needs and um, thoughts will be as important as the employer's understanding of the the core differences of an autism spectrum disorder. Um, they should understand that you know change is going to be difficult and all the things that we've talked about are going to be more difficult for that person in the job with autism than they might be for another employee. So it, the amount of support that that employer can give around job loss is going to be very dependent on their understanding and knowledge, as I say, both of the employee and of the core differences of autism. Um, and I suspect it's a very variable experience because, you know, employers would will have varying amounts of understanding and, you know, maybe variable amounts of understanding of the employee as well. Yes, indeed. I think uh, um, I think my, the other person I've interviewed for this episode said something quite similar. That it all depended on the employer. And, and I think, you know, perhaps... Again, it'll depend how that person, how the person with autism has maybe got that job with an employer. You know, did they get it through someone like the National Autistic Society or a, a MENCAP or Ambitious About Autism? Or if they just happen to have employed somebody with autism and if they have got the employee through or that that person's been supported by somebody from one of those big organizations that they should be liaising with that support to to deal with that employee in the best possible way um, so that they're not overlooking things they're not just treating that employee like they might do any other employee that's going to be leaving them you know that they get they have that specialist information of course if they've just um happened to have employed somebody with autism then it's a lot more tricky they may not know who to go to i wouldn't like to say whether employees in gen employers sorry in general would know where to get that information from or, or would even know to think they needed to get that information um particularly if there haven't been many issues in the workplace does that make sense it does yes and actually you, you, you that does offer an alternative uh, train of thought uh, about getting information from you know where do we get the information on how to assist mm. this person with what i mean if, if it wasn't through the national Autistic society or, or mencap if it was um well i, I would say just off the street but and uh, via, <laughs> via another method yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where would they have to go? And I, I've never really mm. thought about it like that because most of the jobs I've applied for have come via places like the National Autistic Society or Mencap. Mm. So yes, it's actually uh, food for thought for the day. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. Where, where can employers go, or how how do we ensure that employers know where to go um, to to help? their employees who are on the spectrum yes yeah. indeed well one thing we could probably recommend is people listen to this podcast and spread the word and then i know shameless promotion i know but <laughs> yeah. indeed well there's actually quite a lot to, there to think about well it was a uh, very nice uh, talking to you today hazel and um no problem at all martin lovely to speak to you hello richard hello richard long time no see how's things been with you it's been okay. It's been okay. It's been a mixed time. I've been, you know, just trying to keep working, sort of doing bits and pieces, keep myself occupied. Um, but you know, I think we're all affected a little bit by the lockdown at the moment, aren't we? I think we're yeah, a little we bit. All right. Well, shall we? Shall we get on then? I guess. Yes. Let's. As we are talking about job loss, without going into a huge amount of detail, would you be able to divulge into your own experience of job loss? and how you came out the other side, as it were? Well, 
I think job loss is, is a natural part of employment and I think it happens to everyone. And it's important to remember that at some point or other, a majority of us are going to find that we are in a place of unemployment, that we've been made redundant, be it through our own means, not be it through our own means. Um, we've obviously got this massive issue at the moment with COVID-19 around uh, job loss and furlough. And there's a lot of information which, which, which makes it very difficult to have a clear path for certain people. But in terms of my job loss, um, I've always tried to keep myself busy in some format or other. So um, I've gone through periods where I haven't worked, where um, there was one time when I wasn't made redundant from a position. So um, what I did in the meantime, I ensured in the short term to ensure that I had the money coming in, I did sign up to, um, at the time it would have been Job Seekers Allowance. I now believe it's Universal Credit. Um, and then to keep myself relevant within the job market, I I did various courses, which I found, but also as well, um, I didn't like sitting around doing much and I'm pretty sure other people will be in the same position. So I approached job agencies. I It wasn't the case of me just giving my CV over to a job agency. I would actually contact them and sort of regularly do it on every few days just to find out if they had a bit of work. So I didn't actually spend a lot of time on, um, on um, job speaks allowance at the time because on a daily basis, I was getting like temporary work and it wasn't work like now I'm an employment advisor, but I've done a lot of different work. And this is how I can say I know a lot about different things because I've been a dustman. <laughs> I've been a street sweeper. Right. I've, um, I've worked on computers. I've worked in a factory. I've, I've picked litter off Portsmouth Beach. I've, um, I've done loads of different bits and pieces. I've been a waiter. I've been a barman. I've, I've, you name it, I've effectively done it. Just even it's just temporary, like one week work or one week assignments. So I used to work as a delivery driver's mate for the Conran shop where we delivered um, furniture to one of the, um, the Oasis brothers, one of the Gallaghers. So, oh, um, so interesting and varied. Um, so um, ultimately what happened during that time, whilst I was out of work or, or out of full-time employment, which is ultimately what I wanted, um, I was able to find the time and have days where I could do application forms. And in those days, I gave myself a bit of structure and a bit of routine just to know, OK, I'm going to do job searching at this time, applications at this time, and, and just to actually plan your day and put something in your day just to ensure that you are doing something at a specific time. And that's what worked for me, because it's very easy. It's very easy to just go, oh, I've got nothing to do. What should I do? I don't know. Something's on the telly. I watch the telly. And before you know it, you've gone from nine o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock and you've actually achieved very, very little. So it's important for me. It was important for me, sorry, to have that structure, to know that I'm going to get up at a certain time to do those things at a certain time and to actually sort of think and keep in the job relevant frame of mind to ensure that I did um, um, stay relevant and stay um, in contention for something when it came up and I was in the right frame of mind to apply for it. Yeah, I know what you mean about trying to have that routine while you're out of work. I mean, it, it, as you say, it's so easy to do nothing and then you go from nine o'clock to 12 o'clock and haven't done very much at all. I've, I've been there and done that. <laughs> I was going to say, but you have to remember as well as part of that is it's okay sometimes to have some downtime. It's okay to take time off. I know that sounds like a contradiction, yeah. but um, we're specifically finding in this time when we are in front of computer screens like uh, me and you martin we are working but a lot of our days are spent in front of computer screens for me um before i'd be seeing people i'll be going out and talking to people now i spend a lot of time just talking to people on a computer screen which is better than not talking to anyone and i've got a job so i can be thankful for that but it's it's it can be tiring on your eyes so it's important to take a break and build in breaks and stuff into your day i guess of course do you think it's fair to say that somebody with autism, Asperger's and learning, dif learning difficulties, my apologies, find losing a job much harder than somebody without autism or Asperger's? I think if you're to look at this on, on a number of different fronts, I think the answer is yes. If we were to take into consideration someone um, say let's let's tackle autism first shall we they've um, they've got themselves into a job and let's say it might have taken them longer to sort of find a job for many different reasons be it um, needing the right atmosphere to work in finding the right position not being able to do specific things because of noise because of lighting because of the lack of structure which the job might have so or it might be because it's a job with a lot of people um, so 
finding that job first of all is is going to offer greater challenges and so once in that position someone's from my experience um someone is more likely to sort of want to stay with the position and not move on and offer a lot of loyalty and um and be part of the company for a long time so not only is the trouble getting into the work once you're in the job it's then if you're suddenly made redundant or something happens or the company folds or or or, or for whatever reason someone might lose their jobs there's that there's that loss of structure in the day there's that loss of purpose in the day and it's very easy just to fall into new habits and there's the unsettledness as well for someone I imagine um, obviously I don't have autism myself but I've I've supported and helped a lot of people um, who do have autism and um, Asperger's so I, I do have an understanding and once they've You've got that unsettledness and that can sort of move forwards in terms of confidence in future jobs, um, confidence in applying for jobs. Um, a CV may not need updating, uh, may need updating rather. There may be lots of things for some with autism. Now, in terms of learning difficulties um, and learning disabilities, there's the obvious things, aren't there? Like um, filling in application forms, um, um, getting a new CV together, um, doing cover letters and the like, actually understanding what job adverts say, how to navigate um, the job sites like Indeed, like Total Jobs, like Monster. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a minefield and it's, it's, it's hard. And even sort of people without learning difficulties um, who I help out, they struggle to use these sites, struggle to know where to go, where to look, how to structure something, how to do something. So it's obviously can offer a lot more challenges for someone with a learning difficulty. You're singing my tune there, Richard. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why people like me <laughs> exist, to try and help with that side of things and to help locate these opportunities and sort of identify these bits and pieces. Absolutely. So do have that more equal um, access to if not an equal opportunity quality of opportunity yeah I do have to admit I I, I am a little bit better at it than uh, I used to be you know if I was mm. ever job hunting I would say you know is there somebody standing over my shoulder yes then I can mm. look safely but nowadays like, well yeah I could probably do that or I'm not sure about that but I'll ask you or Sally or whoever happens to be there at the time about him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's there's that bit of extra guidance or that that foot for, as an employment advisor, I can go and do the applications or I could just be the person who nudges someone in the right direction, just saying, have you thought about this? Have you seen this? I might have a few extra connections which allow me to do that, which allow me to uh, get in there and actually point you in the right direction or point someone similar in the right direction. Yeah, I'm still not the greatest fan of application forms, but, uh, you know, Neither am I, Martin. Yeah, neither necessary, am I. You know. <laughs> Honestly, I started filling up. Gone. I was going to say, if I could offer some advice, uh, don't tackle too many application forms in one day or too many applications because you will get tired and you will start making mistakes. And even I make mistakes. I look back at some of the applications or cover letters I've done with people, and sometimes it can just be a simple error like when you're writing to say cost of coffee for a job and you've accidentally left Krispy Kreme donuts as the um as the people you want to work for in the title it happens you've had a long day at work and you've say done three or four applications already you lose that focus so always just yeah. be aware of that if in doubt come back get someone else to sort of proofread it because if there's two of you working on it and you don't spot it then there might be someone else who does, but always proofread. I learned that at school. My PE teacher told me that at school and I still stuck by that. Get someone else to read through it, to look at the grammar, spot the spending mistakes. Just check if there's anything else which needs looking. Or check if you can do the job. Which, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, the last time I started an application, I stopped halfway and I got my mother to check it. And she said, did you know that they're after this, Martin? No. Yes, it does help. I, I, I forget exactly what it was. I think it was a qualification or or did you read this bit of the job spec because i don't really know if you know what they want here yeah that does, yeah that does that does help to read the job specification properly first uh, but yeah. what i will say it was a long it was a long day and i was looking at other things as well and like you say it's very easy to um i call it yeah. i call it computer blindness that's what yes. i call it look at a screen or screen blindness you look at a screen for so long but saying that martin you might have had transferable skills which you could have used for that job you don't know no yes. i don't <laughs> <laughs> okay right. 
sometimes in that case, I think it's always worth thinking, what do I do? When I started work as an employment advisor, I hadn't done employment advice before, but I've been managing a service in Croydon. And I saw a lot of the stuff which was required in the job specification and realised that I could apply that to the position of an employment advisor. So I used that and I played to my strengths in my application form. In my interview, I talked about those couple of times when I'd actually done a bit of employment support with people, found people volunteering, uh, found people sort of educational opportunities, or when I'd taken people to these um, places who, who were offering employment support. So I, I did have some experience, but I didn't have the main experience, but I used my transferable skills and my transferable knowledge. We may have talked about this already, but um, I hope you don't mind me asking it anyway. Please do. How important is it to establish a routine with or without a job? Yeah, we have covered this a little bit, but I think a routine is extremely important as part of your day. So as we mentioned already, Martin, it's one of those things that if you don't have a routine, suddenly you can find your whole day sort of wasted. Um, and suddenly find you've gone a whole day without doing something and generally there can always be something better to do this 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 dreaded word procrastination oh yeah, just, yeah yeah <laughs> so we can all procrastinate very very easily and find something better to do and it's a challenge for me um even working from home to find something better to do so it's important to have some structure in the day and important to do that and maybe sort of set certain times, make sure you're getting up at a certain time, just to keep that sort of structure in your day. Maybe if you're getting up at 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning, don't get up at 6 or 7.30 in the morning if you don't need to. I mean, I'm not getting up at 6 or 7.30 in the morning, and even now I'm working, I'm getting up at like 8 o'clock because I don't have that commute to go into work. Um, but perhaps um, something else to do, but as someone who's in work, put a commute into your work, maybe take a quick walk around the block uh, beforehand but you can even apply this into your sort of daily life whilst you're sort of job searching build in those little things those little structures so therefore you can come back and you can sort of sit down and then get on with right I'm going to do that between nine and ten then I'll never break between there but then I'm going to look here and um but if you can't do it the full time and I wouldn't expect anyone to be job searching the full time I'm I'm looking for houses at the moment and and it can be tiring it can be demoralizing but if you're just yeah. set times or certain days to do things but also not just building in we're talking about job searching here but to build in general other structure into your day you know like having a cup of tea at a certain time all right i'm going to cook my dinner at this time and then that sort of prevents you from snacking so it's not just about your mental well-being it's about your physical well-being as well by setting things up at a certain time of the day you're thinking about what you're doing but a lack of routine i found and from speaking to people, from my experience, that you, you, you get to the end of the day and there's feelings of, well, what have I done? Where, you know, what have I achieved today? I've done nothing. So there's feelings of regret. There's feelings of guilt. There's feelings of you know, um, just worthlessness as well. Not all the time. Some people love it. Some people love doing nothing. But it's, you know, and you then sort of get into that spiral where you get the next day, you're not feeling great. So the routine is just so important, just to keep some structure, just to keep some sanity, just to keep yeah. some, uh, just for your emotional and physical well-being. Um, when you finish as well, make sure that if you're going to spend the day doing something, when you say you're going to finish it, finish it, unless it's desperately important. So switch off that screen at five o'clock or 5.30 or whatever time you switch that screen off. Um, Go make sure you do something else. Again, it could be a commute. Take a five-minute walk up the local woods or something. So, um, so yes, routine extremely important for your physical and your mental well-being. How much how much support should an individual with autism, Asperger's, learning difficulties receive during a work placement? Should it be a regular once-a-month arrangement, or is it really down to the individual how much support he or she receives? I think the second one um, hits the nail on the head there, Martin. I think it depends on the people um, and it depends um, on the workplace as well and what they want to do. Uh, I think a lot of people need some support or some guidance in the workplace, be it with autism or a learning difficulty or with mental health 
or with the physical disabilities and that support is generally offered to most people informally or through an official process like like a manager if I don't know what I'm doing I would ask a manager to so I'd seek some advice or I'd seek some advice of colleagues so that's a different kind of support we're talking about it's just, but it's just an acknowledgement that people generally do need support people don't come into a job and immediately brilliant at them but brilliant at it but yeah. it will vary from person to person martin um it really really will um so yeah there, there's certain people who will just be able to just go in there and have someone who just needs they need to talk to once a week like the manager from my previous position my manager who was running a whole service she had support from an organization who came in once a week and she spent a couple of hours chatting to the person just to put her thoughts in order to discuss issues to get an understanding of why she might not have understood why someone else had thought this way but it worked both ways where the um the person who was working with her who happened to be the manager of the service actually would then come in and talk to us if he, if he needed to so we could get an understanding of 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 where things were so we could so so just there as a as a mediator to to a degree or just to help each other understand where we were and um, and what each other and how we were communicating there's other people who will need more support who will need to get to know how to learn a job get to need to know how to get into a routine because it might be unsettling when they first start to understand how people within the job are communicating so that might take a bit more intense support at first which can then be sort of taken back later on um, and there's some people who will always need a bit of support in the workplace as well um, it's going to vary but I think support let's consider it like a fluid um, situation and when I say a fluid situation there might be times when they need more support there might be times when they need less support but there might be times when something happens in a job where that support is then needed again and the more more help is needed so um, okay I think you can't just say you can't put anyone put everyone with the same under the same uh, under the same label it's going to be different based from person to person yeah absolutely I agree um and it's going to be different based at different times as to what that person needs but again don't just think it's just people um with autism or asperger's or with any other condition needs it people go through their lives needing support at various times be it through bereavement be it through poor mental health be it through sort of having a family um so these are all things but also that could be something which um hits someone with asperger's or autism as well bereavement having family um yes yeah, so mental health course, yeah. So finally, in regards to support, while places like the National Autistic Society and MENCAP and other places like Ambitious About Autism offer support when a job loss is about to occur, do you think that same support is in the workplace? So does the workplace offer support as well as places like than NAS and MENCAP? I'll be quite frank, I, I don't think a lot of workplaces are, are, are trained enough. Disability training, disability awareness training is now becoming a much more common thing, but I don't think it's been rolled out enough uh, for workplaces to understand and not everyone is signed up to it. Um, training could sort of definitely be improved and I think it does put people at a disadvantage that this training doesn't exist and this support doesn't exist in the workplace to sort of understand someone to support someone to help someone and that's um that's helping the person but it's also happening helping the team to understand what is going on um so there is definitely room for improvement on on that front difficult it's a difficult situation uh, if you're talking about a specific workplace and offering help um it's it's a difficult situation because you can't expect everyone to know everything about everything and it's 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 a very um murky area so when i say murky area what i mean by that there's this there's not there's not a lot of clear information as to who should be doing what and how it should happen it's all right we've got the policy saying this 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 but it's generally left to outside organizations to offer that help and to come in and be mediators and offer that support and guidance you could perhaps we should talk a little bit about um looking for work and 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 thinking about those that side of things so so obviously looking for work i've talked to i think i've covered a little bit about this already but um job adverts can be and let's let's make this specific to um, autistic people and people with Asperger's. Uh, looking at jobs, job adverts can be quite daunting and they can be quite, they can be quite um, 
busy. I'm going to use the word busy. When I mean by busy, is there's a lot of information sort of sitting on there, and there's a lot of stuff to look through, and to be and to focus in on certain specific things can be a, can be a can be a struggle. And um, it's important to remember that when you're looking at applications, when you're looking at things. Um, they have a job specification for a reason. They have a job description for a reason. So a good thing to do, and I think this will work very well um, with autistic people, is if you've got a job specification saying, you know, what do they want in terms of a job? We want someone who can use Microsoft Office. You say, I can use Microsoft Office. Here is an example of when I used Microsoft Office. Um, they want someone who's energetic. Yes, I am an energetic person. I was energetic when I worked for this company and I did this. I'm organized. I am. You, you just follow the job specification exactly what it is. Um, we're going through a recruitment um, process at the moment and I look at application forms. I've employed people in the past and I see these things and I, I look at application forms and tidiness, neatness, looking and these are all things which I think can sort of play to someone's advantage is ensuring that everything's justified ensuring font is all the same sizes um you've heard me waffle on about this for ages Martin I'm sure in the past when I've been doing application forms yes ensuring the correct ensuring that the um there's no spelling mistakes full stops and everything are in the right place it's important to just pay attention to that little bit of detail make sure that, that detail is there and as I said going back to specification if they ask for something repeat it back because that way you've shown you've read the application form I've been looking through various application forms recently and all I can see all they've basically done is just copy and paste from a previous application form and it has very little relevance to the job and when you look at that mm. it's just, I, well that's 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 not it we had an application form through um not long ago and it was it was just really poor there was no justification the fonts were in the wrong size there were spelling mistakes there wasn't even proper english used in it and it was it was really disappointing to, to see and uh, i remember speaking with my manager about it my manager said to me well what do you think we we haven't had many applications what do you think? i said well ultimately if they're going to do their own application form this badly and they're applying for a position where they're going to helping other people get into work what, what what opportunity is that the people they're helping going to have? It just would have been completely unfair the people they would have been helping. So in the yeah. end, it's an application form we 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 um we rejected. Um, so just the detail, the detail is important, and that's what I say about that. But also take a step away once you've done it. If you've got the time, don't send it off immediately. Come back a day later or a few hours later once you've had a chance to have a break. Get someone else to look at it, and always have someone else look at it. Yeah, but it. Yeah, there we are. It's 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 like when I always talk about my top employment skill. I think, in my idea, is is listening. But listening, you know, is very important when sort of speaking to someone when doing an interview, when speaking to customers, when listening to what a manager is telling you what to do. But also, it's paying. But part of listening is paying attention. So by doing that on an application form, that paying attention is going to draw draw someone's attention to you that you've actually met that job specification they're looking at the job specification for a reason and they've put it down there for a reason prove them by doing it and actually sort of following the job specification but always follow up with examples as to why you meet the jobs or the person specification sorry person specification i think that's 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 really good i'm hoping that people listening to that will sort of listen to what you're saying and take all that on board but there were uh, yes yeah, so just I hope I hope I have been of use to people and I hope that what I've said can at least help some people or, or get people thinking um, what I've said won't apply to everyone. Everyone's different. I'm aware of that. And um, but yeah, even if you can take some of what's been said, then then hopefully that's useful to to the people who will be listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so as well. I think we've covered everything. So I'd like to thank you very much for your time today. Okay, well, thank you, Martin, for having me. I've been uh, very happy to talk, and it's it's nice to actually do something a little bit different rather than just sitting on a computer. So, um, yes. so thank you for your time too. I would like to thank both Richard and Hazel very much for their time today for our episode. But before I head off today, I would like to try and summarise some of the points that were raised in the interviews and maybe give my own take about some of the things that were talked about and maybe drop in an idea or two of my own. My first question was about both Richard and Hazel's experience in job loss. Neither of them 
uh, went into any specific detail about when they lost the job, but they more or less talked about the aftermath and keeping busy uh, between jobs. Hazel mentioned uh, the grieving process, which is something that I spoke about at the beginning of the episode. And I take into account most people won't see losing a job that way, but we need to take into account that some people do. But I think it's interesting she mentioned it again and that I wasn't the only one in thinking it was a grieving process. But Hazel also mentioned questioning one's fidelity and identity. This is true. I have seen instances of that. I've also had instances of this myself. And also rethinking the future and how ideas and plans needed to change. I certainly had to rethink both 2011 and 2019 when I lost jobs in those years, respectively. And, well, neither of them were really easy, but I found a way of coping, so it wasn't too uh, too bad. Um, now, Richard had something to say on the subject, and this is something that intrigued me somewhat. Richard and I talked a lot about routine during this first question, which somewhat covered the third question as well. But what was interesting was Richard talking about temporary work in addition to voluntary work and taking on courses. I've done voluntary work and courses in between jobs in the past, and the courses were um, mixed results, shall we say. <laughs> but voluntary work, I did do, I did do a, a spot of that both at Bromley Mancap and at a company called Expert, uh, Bromley Experts by Experience. But Richard talked about temporary paid work as well. So things like, you know, small jobs to give you the routine and, and bring in money. And I, I kind of had a bit of a, not negative attitude, but I definitely I didn't think too much about these six-week jobs that would crop up every now and again, particularly at Christmas time when shop staff are looking for, you know, attempts to work briefly or to work in Santa's Grotto was another one that I saw. But now thinking about it, if I get to a point where I'm between jobs again, I will definitely look at doing some temporary work as an option. Because, you know, one thing about taking on a temporary job is it might lead to something else. You never know. My second question was about people with autism, Asperger's, learning difficulties, finding losing a job much harder than someone without autism, Asperger's and learning difficulties. Different answers here. Richard talked about, well, first of all, Richard said, well, let's talk about autism and Asperger's separately to people with learning difficulties. People with autism and Asperger's find finding a job incredibly difficult anyway. You know, they find looking for work difficult in the first place. And then when they get there, they have that sense of loyalty. And when the, the job is lost, the structure is lost too. Then Richard talked about people with learning difficulties who struggled to read job sites and job adverts and had struggles with cover letters and CVs and applications. Um, even he finds it perplexing as well. So it comes to something when people without autism, Asperger's, learning difficulties don't understand job adverts. Hazel talked about her son feeling job loss quite keenly, saw it more as a personal attack rather than the job ending for another reason. And I... I understand that as well. I mean, the, the only time I felt like it was a personal attack was my first job. But I, I hadn't really done anything wrong. It's just the situation. It was just brought to an end. And also, it was my first experience of job loss, so I had no guidelines and no rule book. And I won't go as far as saying that I didn't feel supported, but I, I you know, I kind of think I could have done with a little bit of help and a little bit of knowledge and a bit of, you know, propping up a bit my third one now Richard I said earlier that Richard and I talked about this one in a bit more detail than I intended but the third question was about the importance of establishing a routine Richard said I think a routine is important no matter what it is it, do, it, does, it doesn't necessarily have to be jobs it can be anything you know he talked about house hunting and he had a routine for for doing that so he he just got on with it and didn't uh, procrastinate I really like that word procrastination. You know, both people, both 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 Richard and Hazel mentioned procrastination in the interviews. It's the thing about putting off something that you have to do to do something that you find more enjoyable. 
and then it just gets worse and worse and worse and eventually you just decide to do it it's very easy to slip into bad habits without a routine it's very easy to just coast through days with no sort of sense of purpose or anything i think the last time i felt like that was during the first lockdown i really struggled to get something in place also richard suggested having a an activity that didn't involve screens because again it's easy to be looking at your phone and looking at your iPad or looking at a computer all day, but having a routine there would sort of reduce that time. My fourth question was about how much support an individual with autism, Asperger's, learning difficulties should receive during a work placement. Both Richard and Hazel said that it was completely down to the individual, but Hazel did suggest that maybe having a regular thing, you know, one month meeting, two month meeting, it would take some of the anxiety away. And it's true. I mean, if you have, if you are somebody with autism, Asperger's learning difficulties in a job and something comes up and you don't know what to do about it, if you have that monthly meeting with your support worker, then you can raise the issue. Do I need to be concerned about this or not? There is no solid answer to this question. And it's, again, it's very individually based. My final question was about support during a job change or a job loss. Uh, did I think, or did Richard and Hazel think that while there was support coming from places like the National Autistic Society and MENCAP and places like Ambitious About Autism, do they think the workplace was offering the same thing? Both said they weren't sure and it really depended on the company and the employer and the understanding of the individual and also the core differences of autism spectrum disorder. It's quite possible that an employer has hired somebody with a diagnosis of autism, Asperger's, learning difficulties that hasn't come from the National Autistic Society or MENCAP or ambitious about autism, but has rather applied on his or on her own accord. And if so, where do they go to get the support to help that employee feel comfortable? But if you have a good grasp on ASD and a good grasp on the individual, because no two individuals with autism, Asperger's learning difficulties are the same, then that's a starting point. So to sum up then very briefly, routine is important. Make yourself do that routine. I know it sounds easier said than done, but trust me, you'll thank yourself for it. Support when losing a job or having a change to a job is important, but all sides need to meet halfway. And though we lose, when we lose a job, we feel it more keenly. We shouldn't be downhearted by these kind of statistics. Otherwise, you just go in ever decreasing circles and then nothing gets done. On that rather positive, optimistic note, we should call it a day. So hopefully this episode has gone somewhere to help people. And if it has, I've done my job properly. And I should be back with Alex next time. Take care, everybody out there and stay safe. Bye.